Hello, welcome back to the Tough Robbie Podcast. I'm pleased tonight to get the usual man in the studio, Zach and Harvey. How are you, boys? Yeah, doing well. Doing well. Yeah, very glad to be back. Um, looking forward to this one, wrapping up the uh, Six Nations. And Harvey with a new mic as well. Is... Hopefully, I sound better for you guys. I know yeah, I, the content's still well. going to be horrible, but no, uh, you're <laughs> hopefully, the sound sounds a little bit nicer. Yeah, well, we're all upgrading as we go, and soon we'll have our own studio, I'm sure, bringing in live <laughs> guests and all. But uh, for me, boys, it's a bit of a sad one, but this is us wrapping up the Six Nations, greatest Six Nations of all time, Zach. Up that, there. Is the, that is the question. It's up there. I'm trying to figure out in my head which is better. I guess you have to talk about what you think is, you know, what you think is the kind of the, what grounds are. A good Six Nations, so we'll see. But I suppose we'll we can get on to that question. Yeah, you know? for it's been probably the most competitive Six Nations. Mm. Where apart from when you played Italy, I think every single game more or less came down to the last play. Yeah, it's yeah. competitive Six Nations, probably the most competitive. This is a crazy start. Apart from England getting destroyed by Wales, but um, and Ireland. Sorry, I'm just trying to get the Six Nations table up here, and my my scroll's not working, so I can't go below fourth. Can you let me know? Don't worry, you... I've got it up. I've got it up here. Can you let me know who's below fourth. So we've got Wales, France, Ireland. I'm Scotland, being ambushed here. Um, Italy then. Oh wait, sorry, no, England then Italy. <laughs> so we'll start. We'll start then um, with the two boys near the top there. Um, Scotland and France finished respectively on the table. France will be disappointed. The final game then was in Paris there. Scotland won in the last play. Um, classic France didn't kick it out when eight minutes were gone. Trying to get a bonus point for some reason when it made no difference. Um, but yeah, I think Scotland deserved that when they played really well out there. And Zach, you kind of touched on it last week where you said Scotland will have something to prove and everyone's talking yeah. about France, everyone's talking about 21 points. And to be honest, it never looked once like France were going to put on the cricket score and get 21 points. It always looked like this is going to be a tight game down to the wire. Yeah, like it. I think I, I'm pretty sure I predicted last week that France would win and win by enough, but it would be still be a tight game. I think, but just in the in the run up to the game, the media, the way they were, the way the Scotland camp were chatting, Gregor Townsend, shirt hog, like they weren't gonna be, they weren't gonna be pushovers. You know, they weren't just gonna say, "Here, France, take your title and go on." I just like I just noticed, like even the day before, reading some of Stuart Hogg's kind of pre match interviews, just being like, I think something's going to happen here and to be fair Scotland incredible performance yes okay it's Stade de France without the fans but um, doesn't take away from an incredible Scottish performance to to win and the grit and the determination and to play good rugby and to be to be clinical as well um, so you know respect to Scotland big moment I think in Scottish rugby history for the future you could argue I think it's a, a credit to what you said earlier, Tuff, about how this has probably been one of the most competitive Six Nations we've had. And we were also mentioning as well last round about, you know, trying to ruin the party. And and everyone, like like Zach said, were looking past the result, almost just expect waiting for the four tries, I guess, and the, and the bonus point win. And Scotland, obviously, as most teams, as a lot of teams have done this tournament, have just gone, nah, <laughs> it's not going to work that way. The Six Nations is not as black and white as that, so... Fair play to them, honestly. Fair play to them. No, you were quite, you were very, you were very aggressive with your score prediction, Harvey. You were, thought they'd be up in the 40s and stuff. They really, 
really turned it on. But it's typical. It's typical France, isn't it? Like for me, the Six Nations has made me really question whether France are going to be ready in time for 2023. I know it's a long, it's a still a long way away, but just they just lack consistency. They lack just um, yeah, just discipline. Like there's a lot of things to work on for France, which I suppose is a good thing, but also I think just something to be wary of as well. I still, I think they've, I think they're still going in the right direction. I think we've got to remember that the amount of, as much as it might have been their fault, the amount of disruption they've had this tournament, and to come true, out second true. with a chance to win it, I think fair enough, fair play to them. I think they're still going in the right direction. I want to see more from them next Six Nations. I agree with you on that one, Zach. Um, and I think they can still get there, but there are still some question marks over their decision making, over certain just little areas of the game, the drop against us, and certain decisions around the 80th minute that they can't quite get the nail on yet. That's something that needs to be cleared up. But yeah. Yeah. The question is, I think if France didn't have the COVID outbreak, would this pod be very different in terms of would we, would would France still go and get beat by England? I'll I'll flip that on its head, Zach. Scotland should they have beat Wales and should they have beat Ireland? Yes. Well, this is this is the thing. Scotland are gonna feel hard done by because. For multiple reasons, both individual players, because obviously I think Heyman will get on maybe stay tuned for a pod about the Lions, but like Hamish Watson, Stuart Hogg, Neil Dawn as Lions, in my opinion. Um, that's what the media are definitely saying. But you think if they beat Ireland, they beat Wales, all of a sudden we're chatting, all of a sudden, you know, Johnny Gray's in the mix, Sandra Fagerson's in the mix, um, Jimmy Ritchie's in the mix. But then also just obviously Scotland had a bit more kind of clinical-esque they could have been. They could have been Six Nations champions. I think Scotland and France. Would you say are quite similar sides that yes. they can pull moments out of the hat, but just a bit of game management in the big, big games when they have to close things out, they struggle mm. with. Apart from Scotland, we'll just say, lad, we literally beat France in the last minute. Like that is game management at its finest. But the the championship was done. France should have kicked it out. It was a wee bit wild, but fair play, all the same. It, you know, it's fair play, fair play to Stuart Hogg for the Scotland players to still have the ball. Finn Russell goes off for a yellow card and they're still fighting. Red. Um and yeah, and just you know, they it's it's almost like Scotland ended the tournament in the best way possible after losing the Wales and Ireland to win in France and Paris is in the way they won, you know, that kind of clinical age. It's you know, it's a good time to be a Scotland fan, I think, going forward. Yeah, especially with them and the Irish, uh, Ireland's got on the same World Cup with South Africa. South Africa now, to look, now need to look at that pull and go, right, we need to start playing some test matches here because both those sides could beat us and both go through. But yeah. for me, as you know, I've got a bit of Scotch blood in me. It's exciting for both Scotland and Ireland. They're both of very similar stages, both obviously three wins each, both of that stage where they're looking up, whereas Harvey, for the Six Nations, England are kind of declining. So, Everyone kind of has something positive to take out of it. Wales, Ireland, England, Scotland, apart from England, obviously, sorry, and France. So apart from Italy and England, they're the only two that really kind of let themselves down overall, the Six Nations. And they are fifth and sixth in the table. So yeah. I, mean, I, I think we I think we probably had the biggest forward, don't get me wrong. I think there's still positives to take from it. I think there were certain areas and certain times in games where we looked like we were clicking as a team. Um I think it still comes down to what we mentioned previously about just the rustiness. There didn't look like there was that much cohesion between the boys. Um, and 
coming from where we have been in the last couple of years, you can argue that what you're saying is exactly right, that there's much less positives to take for us because it's been such a fall. It's gone literally from winning Six Nations, winning the Nations Cup to fifth. And fifth is last, let's be real, because it's Italy. So, you know what I mean? Um, So, yeah, you're you're definitely on the right lines. It's, well, we'll see what happens with reviews and la-di-da, but, yeah, not massively positive. But well, the biggest positive for England is if they get rid of Eddie Jones. <laughs> well, we'll move back, but actually, um, before we kind of just general summarise it, um, the game itself, um, kind of Scotland score, France score, one of those games, kind of a bit like the game the week before. And then for me, someone that did kind of change the game coming off the bench was Adam Hastings, kind of the forgotten mm-hmm. man, threw a really good pass. Uh, tried a little chip, didn't work out, but for me, for like 24, 25 year old, he looks really confident every time he plays and Scott have to find a way when he's fully fit to get him in that side because his kicking when he came on was immaculate as always and always is immaculate. And for me, that's the one thing Scotland were missing and they did lose by a point or two to Ireland and Wales and Russell did miss a kicker, kick or two in both those games. So, um, well, I'm a bit harsh on him. I think he didn't miss a kick against Wales, but he missed one against Ireland, which was a very poor attempt. Um, for me, if they can get Adam Hastings in, possible. But then, I, was I think no. I think you. I think you're on the right lines. I think you adopt the 10-12 sort of strategy. I know Cam Redpath's been coming in. Is that at 12 what, yeah, is that what you really do? Well. Because I was but, gonna say try and get him in at fifteen. He's played about fifteen for Glasgow, but he can't with yeah, Hog. Really. Hog like, no, I think a ten twelve, and that kind of gives Finn Russell that more freedom to just be Finn Russell as well, in a sense. If you know you've just got Adam Hastings there, you're just gonna play off and he's gonna kick it like it's you know, like it's easy. You know what I mean? I'm just gonna go um, one step for. I, to be honest, I rate Cam Redpath too highly at the moment to get rid of um, get rid of Finn. Um, get rid of get rid of him. I would personally. Finn Russell doesn't have some good performances in the Om in the Om Internationals. Adam Hastings. It'd be really interesting to see how Adam Hastings goes for Glasgow in the European competitions this week because I think he's decent and he's got the pedigree. You know, he's got the dad, he's got his uncle. So personally, I keep Cam Redpath every day of the week and choose between Hastings and Russell. But do you know who you can take on is who now all over social media is calling for Lions is Chris Harris. Yeah. Yeah. 13. The best, defensive, the best defensive 13 in the Six Nations, no doubt about it. Shooting up, slamming Vakatawa. Like, he, um, he's probably not as exciting in attack, but definitely in defense, he, he's really nailed on there. And Hugh Jones, everyone was trying to get him into play. Already, to be fair to you, said it is Italy like, and Gregor obviously seen that as well. It's just Italy like we're getting in the, getting in the solid, solidity of big Chris Harris, and it did work. It just I felt that kind of he's kind of that cog in that backline that kind of goes, people don't really notice him, whereas he's really important. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to see what Gatlin does, because is it too late for Harris? Is my only thing. Um, I don't know. Just... I think the 13 role is extremely, it's very hotly contested. Yeah. And as much as he's had a really good Six Nations, I think we'll get onto this, obviously. Stay tuned for the pod. Um, but I think you get your place on the Lions tour through class and through, not just through eight weeks of good form. I think yeah, it's, a... it's a lot more It's a lot more than that. Um, and yeah, 
he's played quality, don't get me wrong. But like I said before, the the centre spot in general, if we want to blend them together, it's just so hotly contested at the moment. There's so many good options out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe if you're a biased Scotsman, you know, you're putting Harris on the plane as well as Ali Price. <laughs> We'd have a chance if the squad wasn't now. I think Gatlin's come out and said it's going to be 36. So he's struggling. Yeah, if it was a 41-man one squad, yeah. I think he has a chance. But with 36, I don't know. I just you had a bit more pace and you could stick him on the wing. Maybe he gets on. Maybe. But we'll, we'll get on to all that. Um, it really is fascinating, the Scotland side, because they won in Twickenham and they won in Paris. Yet they come away kind of annoyed and kind of being like, kind of the same as an Irish fan. It's kind of like, ah, it's all right. Some nice proud moments there, but on the whole, kind of the consistency. And for me, this is two Six Nations in a row now. Scotland have won three games. I think it's now the time next year that if they win three games, it's start. you need to start saying this isn't good enough. I think they just need that cutthroat to say, we're now going to compete. Because it used to be Italy and Scotland wooden spoon days. I think really now it is Scotland. Italy wooden spoon. I'm I'm done. I'm done. Cut me out. Cut me out. I'm done. Harvey, you are like anyone else. You can't wait for this season to be done in the Six Nations. I just Um, can't wait for something else to talk about. That you know, just something else to talk about. Please, please, (laughs) just but uh, rugby, rugby. Whoever whoever you are. If you're out there, just chuck a tournament in May, please. Just something so we can get yeah. over this. Well, we've got we've got the Champions Cup, you know. We got the Champions An international Cup. tournament. We got the yeah. Championship uh, playoffs. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Come on, Elam. So where do you, just in terms of Scotland and France, where do you actually rate them in terms of off each other? I know Scotland won the game, but do you still put France going into? 2021 and 2022 and then knocking on 2023 do you still put France ahead of Scotland even though they won the same amount of games in terms of progress yeah I think so I think you have to I think France have still more of the potential um I think just you really really still really really young squad um and I think the domestic setup in France as well will really benefit them international side um whereas Scotland just Edinburgh and Glasgow just don't, just aren't good. They're just bad. Um, and there's only so much international rugby you can play together, especially this year, um, because it's a Lions tour. So there's not going to be re- really any summer internationals properly. Um, you've only got autumn internationals and then you're back into another Six Nations cycle. So I think for France, it definitely benefits France more. Um, yeah, for me as well, it hasn't come a coincidence. So when Scotland started letting their big stars go wherever they want, You've seen yeah. Hogg star at Exeter. You've seen Russell star at Racing. They become the big players in the big European sides that so, the national team has improved. And that move, fair play to them. Um, it seems to be working well. Yeah. You've got Chris Harris tearing it up for Gloucester. All the names that we're talking about, Cam Redpath's tearing it up out in out for Bath when he plays if he's not injured. <laughs> um, it's not a coincidence. Johnny Gray. It's, not Johnny Gray. Thingy. It's really, it's really, it's really not a coincidence, and um, definitely for Scotland, it's progress. And I think France, to be fair to them, they were the second best team behind Wales, and they would have kicked out if like a Six Nations was on the line. But they need to learn from that. Brice Doolan and all, just they need maybe, I don't know, 
I know Fiku. I absolutely love Fiku. He's going to Racing. That's confirmed, pretty much. So insane, like, that, that Racing side, honestly, gonna be it's, 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 a, it's illegal. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just illegal. That's exactly. <laughs> what it's only way to describe that team. They're turning into the it's new nice. kind of Galacticos. They're just signing everyone they want, like Toulon vibes. Aye, Toulon. But look at Toulon now. Eh? Exactly. It's not really. It's not they have the money. They can sustain it. But um... where's your academy, Racing? Where is it? I don't know. I want a response from the racing directors rugby. Um, but it's 2010 still, Zach. Another Six Nations goes on without France winning it. It's not... This side needs to win a Six Nations before people say they're a great side. And they've been potential, potential, potential now for two years. Um, this coming year is when we see if France can step up. Yeah, I would say 2022 is the year for France, the kind of the year they either solidify themselves as bang on home favorites for their world cup, or if they're just a side, which had the potential and didn't do anything with it. They're just a Belgium, you know? Um, So we'll, we'll, we'll think next year is when after this time next year, after the six nations, that's when we can really sit back and say, okay, are France the real deal? Um, to be fair, the though, they're still learning. A slam a year out from a World Cup, it could be perfect timing. Exactly, exactly. 20, 2022 is like the year for French rugby. Um, you know, I fully expect next year, both domestic, European, and international level for France just to dominate. That's my that's my early prediction, but we'll save that for another time. So yeah, it's a big next year's a big year for France. This is just another. For them, it's another step. It's a hard step to take, but it's an important step to take. They can learn. They have to learn from these mistakes. And then, you know, World Cup time. 100%. You're, you're absolutely spot on. We're going to go now on to the kind of annual. I know it's the first one, but this will become historic. <laughs> this award ceremony every Six Nations. <laughs> Everyone be tuning in. Um, it's going to be a little award ceremony, just handing out what we feel people deserve. And the captains, you can come and collect it. Uh, <laughs> by a Zoom, your price. Um, so anyway, first award is for the game of the Six Nations. Nominees, you've obviously got the big one where Brice Doulan scored in the last minute, France against Wales, absolute cracker. Yeah. You've also got Wales against Scotland, Duham van der Merwe nearly scored in the last minute. Otherwise, we only walk in tap tackle. And you've got Scotland, England, the opener for Scottish fans. They want to put that one up there. Um, any other standouts? But for me, those were the ones that I, when I, I think, think those about. Are the stands out in terms of like Test match rugby at its finest. Those three are up there. Wales, Scotland, the uh, the making of Louis Summit. Mm, it's true. It's a big it, game. Yeah, That's a game. That's a game when people start to. I would say maybe Wales England was the game people started to say here Wales could actually win this land. Um, but for sure, it. but for sheer entertainment value, right? Is that what we're going off? And that's not sheer even... entertainment. I think there's only one choice, and it's the Wales France game. Yeah, it's got to be Wales. If it's if you're going based on entertainment, it has to be Wales France. If you're talking about like solid, then again, solid Test match rugby, you probably go Wales France too. I think you go. I think you can look past this year. I think you can say like it's the game of this decade we're going to go through. Like it was an, wow. it was that good. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. That's a yeah. Big, no, however, you're spot on, and I think we'll give it to that then. Um, Brice yeah. Doolan, you can come and get the the award because you <laughs> were the one that did the iconic moment. 
Um, next one, try of the Six Nations. Um, nominee, I would like to nominate. <laughs> um, Louis Samet against Scotland, the chip and chase. <laughs> Just burning hog. <laughs> yeah, no, it's got to be up there. Definitely up there for me. Keith Earls, try against England yep. for the creativity. Yeah. Got to be mm, in there. Great one. Um, can we do Han van Merver against England? Just yeah. powering over. What about the try that never was? Are we going to include that? I know it wasn't a try, but I know I know you can't include it, but it deserves a shout out. You know, Louis Rissamet. Yeah, but try against that's a try um, of the 2000s. France's try against England. I was just about to, I was just about to say that as kind of a team try. Everything mm, was perfect there. Damien yeah, Peno. If, you, if, 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 if any coaches are out there, any attack coaches are out there looking to work off set piece, you get that clip up and you show yeah. everyone that. 100%. 100%. That's where I'm putting kind of key furls against that because they're both kind of yeah. off the training yeah. ground. But <clears throat> I think more people were involved in that France try and it was literally just perfect. And it was one of those you just clap and say, fair play. So team try or individual effort? That's the real question. That's what it comes down to. Because Louis Rizama individually, that was an unbelievable try. For me, I'm, was, I'm I'm going team try. I'm going for the front the French one. I think you got for me. I, I prefer a team try, so I'm gonna go France. But also but for the, for the sake of difference, I'm gonna go for the uh, Louis Rizama try. If anything, that's when we won the game about in the end Summit. of it. Huge game, big moments. And that was that was at a time as well where Wales didn't fully have their confidence yet and they were still waiting for that little spark to kind of yeah. bring the game. And I think if you want to talk about it from a wider perspective of what that try meant, yes. I think the try for Louis Rizamet meant a lot more to Wales than Francis' try against England. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I think you're right. Actually, you know what? I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to, I'm going yeah. to go yeah. back. We'll go for go the actual harder. moment and the history behind it. Louis Rizamet, congratulations. You've got the award, and by the way, just stay in a riding stage, mate, because you might be coming up again. Um, <laughs> that was literally not not to show off, but that was literally me at Balmain Swimming Club's awards. I used to always be told to hang around because I'd be straight back up again. <laughs> <laughs> now on to an actual Around one, me. which is um, actually got nom- real life nominees, the actual player of the championship. So they've put forward Louis Samet, Robbie Henshaw, Hamish Watson. Uh, Antoine Dupont, Toby Falatoy, and Tide Byrne are the nominees. Yeah, I, to be honest, I would you add anyone to that? I don't know who else would you add. One file. Apart from the last, I'd say if you if you were looking <laughs> off the first four rounds, Stuart Hogg. Oh yeah, of course. But then yeah. he kind of slowed yeah, down a little bit for him. Bit. This is this is the thing. Like it's always those things where. It's really hard to give player of a season to someone who mm. wasn't in like a winning team or like a team that was up there, you know? I want to personally give mine to either. <laughs> Literally was about to say who it was and then another name popped in my head. I don't know. I can't remember what you just said, but either Toby, who you said was on there, or Alan jones in my opinion. You're adding Alan a nominee. Alan Wynn-Jones. Yeah. Just because Alan, the warrior... Show. The legend. The Warrior Jones. He's going to be Lions captain. He is. Um, he is. He just is. He's going to start. Like, but for the sake uh, of keeping it to the nominees, I'm going to Lupe. I'm going Big Toby. 
I think Absolutely. he really, he's had a bit of a struggle with injuries in the last couple of years. Hasn't quite managed to get himself into the team week in, week out for Fran, for Wales, sorry. Um, and this Six Nations, he sedimented that spot for Wales and in the Lions squad, in my opinion. And I think he's world class. So I'm going to give it to him. Zach? It's a great shout. Tag Burn was. I think Tag Burn really does need a shout out for someone, like... someone that's come from literally squad no. player to you're going on the Lions tour. Like you have Starting to say line, you've had an outstanding Six Nations. He has him and Zamet are both in that conversation. No one was talking about. I think Hamish as well. And Hamish. Yeah, Hamish Watson. I think those are the three players. Maybe even Robbie Henshaw. Robbie Henshaw was outstanding. Robbie Henshaw, just out of the blue, is playing probably some of the best rugby of his life. And because he has the pedigree, for me, like, oof, Ward, like, Gats. Even in I the... I you're listening. You have to start him. In the Leinster Monster um, Pro 14 final, Robbie Henshaw was the standout. He was absolutely outstanding. His ball carrying, just hard, direct, tackles, does everything well. But... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give mine to Tag Burn. I think the performances he put in were utterly sublime, sublime, supreme. I'll go supreme, sublime, sublime, sublime. That, like for me, the fact that he goes from being like you said, Telford a squad player to now being talked about not only in a Lions tour but almost like he's nailed on for the Lions tour. This is more about whether or not he's gonna start to have that big of a jump because of the performances and the quality you put in. Um, for me, he's my player of the tournament. I like that. Um, but someone we haven't even talked about is Anton Dupont, who was Jeez. outstanding as usual, but because he can be even better and him just getting nominated in the top six is like, if I'm not walking it, I'm not getting I'm not gonna get it. Um kind of sums him up that his kind of for him, his bang average six nations is still world class, nominated for player of the championship, shows the levels that he can get to. But I don't think he was at the level that he he can be. I like yeah. you're saying, Harvey, about Falatai. I really feel he just He's unbelievable. was class just in every game. I don't think I genuinely don't think he put a foot wrong, which is incredible. They've all they've all gone and they won the Six Nations. So you know, if you want to add that to the weight of his personal achievements, I don't know. Yeah, true, true. true. I'm going to give it to Falatai. I think I make that unanimous because for me. Sorry, Zamet, but like, there's breakthrough award and all coming up later on the awards night. So like, I just I, feel to kind give it of that. give it to him. Like, I and think Tag Burt is copy. Copy. Fa- really I felt Zama had moments, whereas Falatoy was consistent over 80 minutes, week in, week out. Also, we we forget about the fact that Falatoy has just come back from a serious injury. Like he, like this was his Six Nations to kind of you know get back up to speed and then do enough. It's almost like I felt like the narrative for. Palatoy was just do enough so that Gatlin can then turn around to his selectors and be like, here, you know, he's may not fully at it, but he's fully fit again and he's a cracking player and he's proven himself. So let's take him. But like he's just gone above and beyond. Um, so where there's no doubt that he starts eight. Um Duham Van der Merver must have been close to getting nominated. Five tries, top try score. True, five tries true. in five games. You're not getting nominated, but when you look at the list, you can see why he's kind of not nominated. But yeah, we'll give it the foul just, I think this whole, I think this category just proves how intense and competitive the Six Nations was. That there's so many players that in any other year probably would get on with their performances, but just because of the high level that it was. 
um, you know. Next one is, I kind of mentioned it there, Breakthrough Star of the Six Nations. For me, there's only really two, and that's Tyg Byrne and Zamet. But Tyg Byrne already was kind of an Byrne's kind of been, he's been around. You got to remember, like, he played, he was a part of the, I'm pretty but sure he was part of the Scarlets yeah. Pro 14 winning side. Am yeah. I right? Yeah. It put him so, on the map, if you know what I mean, like, casual. Yeah, inter- international map, he wasn't on. But domestically, he was. Uh, for me, it's Louis Samet, I think. Just give him his award and move him on. We've got more to come. I don't think you can argue with that. I think potentially if Cam Redpath had a full mm. championship, he might have seen something different. But mm. it would have been very hard even if he'd have had a full one. It would have been very hard even if he'd have had a full one. So, Louis Summit. Um, I want to throw in Hugh Keenan just because I feel he established himself as an international player. And he's good enough to be an Irish 15. And he had a very good Six Nations. And it was kind of a breakthrough year for him. Oh, yeah, I'll can I can I um can I just add Ollie Lawrence? Don't worry, it's all about a banner on the pod. Um I'm trying to give anyone else. Um Will Connors? No. Uh, he was injured, wasn't he? Didn't really do enough. I think if he wasn't injured, he could have could have yeah, been definitely. up there. But Will, get fit, keep your knee right. I think. But yeah, Louis, come up, collect your award. Cheers. Um, next one is the worst red card. So a Ooh. lot of red cards to pick from. You've had Xander Fagerson, Peter Romani, Finn Russell in that last game with his little Andy Warwick. Um, <laughs> um, I think Xander Fagerson and Bundiaki. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of a lot of the ones you named were one of those ones where it's just because of the nature of the law. Who um who, who else was it? The France guy in the French Wales game. Oh yeah, the eye guy. Oh yeah, that's see the eye. For me, it's was it? Yeah, it's between he, the eye Willems, Willems, Willems. Which wasn't that wasn't good. That wasn't good. In terms of actual, like I would class that as violent conduct in a way. Yeah, that's like just like Yeah, I probably say between. Yeah, sorry. I was gonna say to me though. It's between Ferguson and Peter Romani, personally. And I think I'm going to go Peter Romani, yeah. just for the sheer velocity of that. I think he deserves, a, he deserves something. He needs something to <laughs> take away. <laughs> <laughs> There's not much more of a Peter Romani award, is there, than worst red card? <laughs> yeah, for me, it's got to be Peter. Peter, mate, you eyed him up for like 20 metres away and just like there was no stopping you, you know? Sandra Fagerson, there's actually slight mitigation, you could argue, whereas Peter's just like... As soon as you saw the first replay on Peter, you went, like, just start walking, honestly. Like, what? It's done. It's like, it was so early in the game. I'm telling you, it could have been completely different. No red card for Peter, you know? Could have been... Ireland win that easy, and then... And then Slam's all of a on. sudden, slam is on. <laughs> if buts and maybes, Pete, congratulations. You've won the worst red card. Probably one of the most... It's probably collected that a few times. Historic like, you know, awards you've won in your career. So congratulations. And then, finally, moment of the Six Nations. And I don't want to be boring. I want to be cool. So I'm going to throw in Ollie Watkins' tap tackle on Duhan van der Merwe for an individual moment. Like, you've done one thing there, and that was a tap tackle, which won then the Six Nations pretty much. That one little tap tackle will go down in history. Um, it probably won't go down as historically because they didn't win the slam, but that one moment for me was a huge moment in the Six Nations, and 
That would have been Doohan in again for n- number six. <laughs> I've got a I've got a moment that could have been a huge moment, but ended up not being that great. And it was a ceiling off from Wales with one and a half minutes to go, whatever it was. That could have been huge, but it ended up yeah. being not that big. Like it, <laughs> it, you know, that's a potential. Yeah, oh, I'm trying to think of big moments. Johnny Sexton's winning penalty against Scotland, 78th minute. I think just Johnny Sexton in general deserves a shout out. Like he turned it around that second half of the Six Nations to the point where you're like, Oof. can I say the 15 penalties that we gave away against Wales? Yeah, yeah, yeah. just collective individual moments. Well, can I say the can I say the damn bit? Can I say the Josh Adams try as a moment? Yep. Yeah. If I want to put a negative light on it, I'm going to put that. To um, be fair, the Josh get a little Adams, bit of salt in somewhere. So, yeah, yeah, like I think that just. For me, like you, you watched it and then you rewatch it and you're like, that's just the moment England Six Nations just went the pot. Like, and France built theirs up. Yeah. Well, Wales, so sorry. I'm gonna, I think that was the, tur- you could argue that was the pendulum swing. That was the turning point, the watershed moment where England, old champions, said hello to the new. You champions. could argue the second try as well had the same sort of implications, but I don't want to focus on it. We're going to give it to Garces. I think no, I think we give it I think we give it to the one you said. I don't think you can put an implication on my one. I think the tap tackle was huge. Because ultimately it's Duhan the train. You never know where he's going if you don't stop him there. So actually, no, I've got one more that we haven't talked about, probably because my subconscious has prevented me from thinking about it, but I've remembered it. Billy Burns going to the corner. That is the moment. <laughs> That's the moment right there. It has to be. It has to be. If he if he hits the five meter line. Ireland more than likely score a try, win the game, and it's a completely different Six Nations. Completely. Think different. how many of those though we can talk about for every single side. That's why it's such it's a good true. Six Nations. It's true. That's why, but I think at the same time, because it was so early on in the Six Nations, you, it depends on where you look at it. Is the big moments at the start, big moments at the end? Um, so for me, it has to be Billy Burns' ball job. Proving that he's just not good enough for international level. No offense, Billy. You're good. I want to throw. Well, we can say we can split this award in two, maybe, and go for the for a moment, a positive, the biggest positive moment in the Six Nations, and then the biggest negative. So Billy Burns negative, but hard to come back from that now, Billy. I'm positive. Are we going the tap tackle from Watkins? Yeah, because in terms of the implications for the championship, you have to put a Welsh moment in there, surely. So, I think yeah, that one. Two massive moments that could have swung that swung the Six Nations. You know, hundred percent, crazy, 100%. and swung both for Wales. And then I guess back to the original question we chatted about in the start of the pod: Where are we ranking then the Six Nations in terms of all time? Obviously, 2015 was great yeah. with the... 2015 was classic. For the title charge, the fact three sides were in it and looked like they were all going to win it was great. And I like kind of final play like that. And it would have been, If France had beaten Scotland before COVID hit, that would have been Doolan for the Grand Slam and a full flip. And I think that makes it the greatest Six Nations. But because of kind of the way the last game, not petered out because Doohan scored in the last minute and Scotland won, but the championship kind of petered out, if you know what I mean. I don't think you can put it there in terms of grandstand championship finishes. It depends. Like The Six Nations consistently, consistently apart from Italy and then the odd game, like most games, 
five minutes to go. Both teams could win. There was seven points within within both sides. Like for me, it's probably the most competitive Six Nations of all time. If it had a Grand Slam kind of finish like it did in 2015, it would be the greatest kind of Six Nations, Five Nations season of all time. Um, but yeah, I think without fans also, does that play a factor in kind of making that decision? Yeah. How team, how games would have been so different if there was fans? Um, for me, it's up there with 2015. But just because 2015 had that just incredible, like it was Super Saturday. Um, I remember working in a coffee shop, had it up on the phone in the kitchen. Spent more time in the kitchen that day, which is rare. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's sums it up that yeah. hey, classic COVID shafted yeah, so our uh, chances of having one of the greatest Six Nations of all time. And I think yeah, no classic, one like... on the first, yeah. But then again, it's still COVID. It's kind of given us opportunity. Where for me, the last how many weeks the Six Nations have been, it's given you something to do out of the weekend, and it's, it's kind of lightened up your weekends. And you, we've had good fun. The fantasy's been good crack and. For me, great Six Nations, and we put it. We might not put it right at the top. We put it right up it's there. It's right up there. It's right up there. It's in the. It's in the top one percent. And yes. England coming fifth as well. You got to give bonus Shut points. Up. Shut yes. up. <laughs> to be fair, that's even. That just makes it even sweeter. Oh God! Give me well, another Harvey, sport where we're not victimized. You'll be. You'll be, uh, you'll be happy to know that is our Six Nations wrapped up. So we can move on to uniting as one. As we look ahead to the Lions Tour, our next podcast. I've got a feeling this might not be United. <laughs> United is one. Man, the bias is coming through. You're going to be insane. If anything, it's going to be more divided. It's going to be you we'll two going, England no stuff. English players, no English players. And me sat again. <laughs> Come on, boys. They're all right. It's bad Six Nations, but they're fine. Yeah, you can, that argument will be hard. Don't worry. You're so next week. We're going to be doing our Six Nations, our kind of Lions team based on Six Nations form, based on form we think going forward will force people on to the tour. And then obviously what we think Gatlin will do and our own teams and our own squad predictions, our own 36-man squad. So make sure to tune in for that because that pod is the pod everyone's waiting for. Everyone's doing their Lions team. And yeah, boys, catch you next week when we're doing that. So cheers, boys. Catch you next week. Remember to like and subscribe and see you soon.